So we are starting to record. This is our second Moshiach class. Um, being that at least the f- bulk of the beginning of last week's class was properly recorded, strongly suggesting for people that will be joining that they should listen to the beginning of last week's class because the intro is extremely important. We are learning from inside the Rambam, um, the second to last chapter of the entire Yad HaChazaka series. It's in the section known as Judges, Shoftim, the laws of kings. We are learning chapter 11. And as we spoke out last week, that there is Moshiach and Geula, that there are two, these are two different things. Yes, they are correlated 100% that the final redemption will happen during the days of Mashiach, but people should not confuse Mashiach, which is the belief in a person that we call, we give the title to this person as the anointed one, Mashiach, versus redemption. Furthermore, we spoke out last week that we are able to achieve a state of Geula even before the revelation of Mashiach. Great Sadikim in the past lived a Geula Dika life. More than that, when I bring my personal redemption into my reality, this actually hastens the revelation or the coming of Melech HaMoshiach. So yeah, they are related, but they're two different topics. The Rambam chooses first to speak about the person Moshiach. And we're going to have, in the 12th chapter, we're going to have the concept of redemption of Geula. Okay, so we are in the middle of the first halacha. If people would want, I mean, I'm learning an old-fashioned Rambam. I know that you can find this for sure online in English. If you go in many Chabad, maybe we'll later post um, on this chat. I'll try to find a link, push it to the text, both in Hebrew and English, or in Hebrew or in English, of chapter 11. And we began speaking about a couple of steps defining Mashiach, and it's important to define Mashiach because it becomes relatable that Mashiach is a king. And the first thing that Amam writes about Mashiach is that he will restore the monarchy of the Davidian kingship to the, Divid, to the Divid, Davidian, Davra Melech's kingship as it was in the beginning. Ramam writes that Mashiach will build the temple. Then Mashiach will gather all of the Jews into Israel. Whatever that means, but Kibbutz Goliath is going to happen after the building of the Beis Amigdash. This doesn't negate the possibility of all the Jews on their own going to Israel before the building of the temple. But Mashiach's job is to build the temple, to bring all the Jews into Israel, and he will restore all of the, the Mishpatim, all of the laws of the Torah, as they used to be. And the, and the Ramam writes, we're going to bring sacrifices. That's the first thing that he mentions, the first example. We will reinstitute the keeping of the Shemitah years and the Jubilee years. That's more or less where we left off. And now the Ramam adds, after he gives all of these, what, what will Mashiach do? He's a king. He's going to restore the kingship. He's going to build a temple. He's going to gather the Jews. He's going to bring back the fulfillment of all of the mitzvahs, of all of the commandments. And the examples he gives is sacrifices and bringing back the Shemitah and the Yovel, um practices in the Jewish calendar. 
And then the Ramam says, V'chol mi maimin boy, whoever that does not believe in him, in him meaning in King Mashiach, or even if someone believes in the person Mashiach, but mi but does not anticipate, but does not await, but does not desire, but does not long for his coming, not only is this person denying in all the other prophets, the person is denying that which it says in the Torah, meaning in the five books of Moses, and this person is denying in Moshe Rabbeinu. Now let's take a pause over here and let's unpackage these words that appear to be simple and they are not simple in any way, shape or form. Okay, first of all, when the Ramam says that whoever does not believe in him is denying the prophets, denying the five books of Moshe, and denying Moshe Rabbeinu. Why is that so? Let me clarify my question. If someone were to say, I don't believe in Shabbos, Shabbos is a mitzvah that's spoken about in the prophets, In Shabbos is spoken a lot in the Torah, Shabbos is mentioned by Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm just giving Shabbos as one example from many examples. Would anyone say that whoever whoever doesn't believe in Shabbos is in denial of everything? Is that a correct statement? Or am I open to the possibility that a person can, God forbid, deny Shabbos? So they are lacking in their belief of Shabbos, but they still believe in God. They still believe in Kashrus. They believe in Taras HaMeshpach. If you were to find such a person, they believe in other mitzvahs. In other words, is it universal that if I deny one of the mitzvahs, does that by default make me a denier of it all? Or is that uniquely connected to some of Yiddishkeit? So first of all, some input. What do you guys think? Yes, Schwartz. I don't think that when you deny one thing at all in our Torah, it means you're a full denier. Okay, very... I think there's conversation, and that's why we call it 70 faces. There's so many different um, ideas about different things. Very well said. I feel like you could disagree with something, but still, you know, as a whole, understand what's important. Let 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 me give words... To show, to show how right you are, how correct you are. There is, there is a concept in halacha known or called a mumar or a apikoiris. And we're going to speak about this right now. Well, there is certain very limited areas in Yiddishkeit upon which we say that if one denies that part, they are denying or negating all of it. And halachically, in most in most of Yiddishkeit, if a person negates one detail of it, they are negating only that detail and not all of it. For example, I'll give you a great example. If a person um, who wants to be, let's say, a mashgiach for, for a livelihood, you want to rely on that person to determine whether the food in that establishment is kosher or not. If that person in their personal lives, um, they break, they don't daven. 
They don't daven. They don't believe in davening or they don't de facto daven. Or let's give you an example that if the, the mashgiach, a mashgiach can be a man or a woman. Let's say if the mashgiach is a guy, he doesn't put on tefillin. Does his not putting on tefillin halachically take away his halachic right to be trusted in the fact that he's being mashgiach over kashrus? So there's halachas about that. And the answer is that that person is, you could trust that person when it comes to the laws of kashrus so long as they keep kashrus. You see, if a person doesn't observe it themselves, even though you can still argue, just because I don't keep it myself, but I appreciate it, that it's important for you, we don't, we don't allow that person to be a mashgiach. That's something that, again, you can challenge, but there's a certain logic to that. But if a person is called mumar l'davar echad, like my example, if a person doesn't put on tefillin, it does not disable them, halachically, of being a mashgiach. As long as that person keeps kosher, the person can say, listen, I have my challenges in Yiddishkeit. I don't, I don't identify with tefillin. I do keep kosher. I'm not even going into the belief system. I'm going into the observance system. We normally do not say that if you don't observe one, then you are completely out of the entire world of observance. No. We don't exclude you. Not only do we not exclude you, we allow you to be a mashgir. However, However, there are 13 areas in Yiddishkeit that the Rambam codified as the Yud Gimel Ikrim. The word Ikar means a principle or something that's basic. Sometimes these 13 are referred to as 13 foundations. Foundation is not Ikar. Foundation is a Yusoid. Yusod. That if you, it's like when you build a building. If you build a building and you left out one beam and one wall, so that wall is lacking, but the building is standing. But if you leave out a foundation, it's not only that one part of the foundation is missing, it weakens the whole building. There are limited, but there are certain parts of Yiddishkeit that if you lack in that one, it's a lack in it all. The Rambam identified these 13 and he actually, he penned the Yud Gimel Ikre Das. Many people actually have it in their daily Siddur that they say 13 Animamins. The Animamin is affirming that I believe in these 13 principles. And then there is a beautiful tefillah known as Yigdal. Parenthetically, the writers, the authors of Yigdal were not knowledgeable in the Kabbalah of the Arizal which is why people who follow the Kabbalah of the Arizal, they don't say the prayer of Yigdal, but it's a great prayer. And the purpose of Yigdal was to make sure that people verbalize every day the Yud Gimaliknim. Now, the question is, why is it so? Why is it that if I don't put on tefillin, God forbid, I get it, I'm weak in tefillin, but I, 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 I'm, I'm in Takashras. Or vice versa. A person cannot eat kosher yet, but tefillin is holy. You know, one doesn't negate the other. There are certain concepts that if you, if it's like a foundation. If you don't have the foundation, the whole building is weak. Now, I'm not going to, we're not learning right now the 13, which are, which is, by the way, a great series, a class to go through the 13 principles. But let me give you one example. The belief that God gave the Torah is a principle that affects all of the Torah. It affects all of the Torah. Now, that's another topic. You can argue that you can have a cultural Jew, and I will counter-argue that phenomena is by default only temporary. 
there will never be a long-term generation, multi-generational commitment to the mitzvahs if it's not predicated on the divine source of the mitzvahs. Never going to happen, and we don't have to debate this because history has proven that time and time again. Look at a typical, sad, modern Jew. If, you know, the grandparents who came from Europe um, came here observant, those who sadly walked away from Yiddishkeit it was a devolution. It happened slowly. And in, in most cases, the, 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 the firstborn American generational Jews, even though they had doubts whether they believe or not, or they called themselves agnostics or atheists, a lot of practice still happened. A lot of cultural Yiddishkeit still went on. And in the, in the next generation, that is where we have this tragedy of assimilation, where ultimately, if it's not predicated, let's go and believing that God gave me the Torah, then ultimately, me or my children or my grandchildren, let's not speak about me, but someone who, God forbid, negates that, their grandkids will slowly but surely completely walk out of the Jewish faith. So, believing the divinity in the Torah is something that, yes, it makes sense that this is a principle. So you saw it. I get it. And another, another example, the belief that we are freedom of choice, which is a phenomenal theoretical topic. We can, people spend their lives, do I have real freedom of choice or do I not have freedom of choice? And yeah, if I do not believe that I have real freedom of choice, then ultimately all of my observance becomes weakened. Because I'm not choosing it anyway. Or whichever choice I made, it was really pre-chosen by God. So really whatever I do is good. So if everything is really good, so there's no good and bad. As you can just figure out that in many of the 13 principles of faith, the link, the reason why this, oh, this is a principle, oh, this is a pillar. If you negate this, the whole building is lacking. It makes sense. Now, by the way, Aura, I'm not saying that if a person negates that, they lose the mitzvahs right away. They don't but it weakens it. And in the long term, it won't stand. Question is, why is it that the belief in a Melech Moshiach, right? And by the way, what we're learning about now is not a, is not a behavioral mitzvah. We're learning about Mamish, a mitzvah of belief. A mitzvah of belief. I believe that Amam says that there will be a person who who is going to be Melech HaMoshiach that's going to do A, B, C, D, E, the details that we learned about. I have to believe in that. It's a mitzvah of belief. And by the way, it's not the only mitzvah of belief. There are many mitzvahs. There are many mitzvahs that are called Chayvas Halavavos. They are incumbent upon one's feelings or on one's understanding or on one's belief. Okay. But how is that a Yisoid? So what's going to happen if you have a Jew... And they, they believe that God gave the Torah and they believe in the mitzvahs or they observe, they observe all the mitzvahs. But they don't believe that there's for sure going to be someone who's going to be called a king, who's going to go and be the ruler in Israel. And as the Ramam writes, who's going to restore the Davidian monarchy, who's going to build a temple, who's going to gather the Jews. Oh, gathering the Jews to me sounds even more impossible than building a temple. That's going to get us to keep all the commandments. And if I don't believe in that, so... I'm only lacking in my belief in Moshiach, which is not a good thing. But why is it that Rambam is so emphatic by saying, ah, if you don't believe in Moshiach, then not only are you denying the prophecy of the prophets, but you're denying the Torah and you're denying Moshe Rabbeinu. What's the link of Melech Moshiach 
with all of it, as the Rambam indeed put the belief in the coming of Mashiach in the, it's the, it's the, um, towards the end, right? It's the 12th uh, principle of the Rambam's uh, Yud Gimaliknim. Why? Why is it there? That's the Kasha. Now, by the way, it's really, I'm leading up to it. We have time in today's class. The Rambam writes two things. Number one, believing in him, meaning believing that he will get up. Hamelech HaMashiach Osid Lamoid. And then number two that Amam writes, that even if you believe, you have to also anticipate. And even if you believe, but you don't anticipate, you're also denying it all. That's a not, even a bigger kasha. How is that? That will leave for in a moment. Step number one, step number two. So the question on the table is that I do understand why some belief systems serve as the base for everything else. Right? Like we gave two examples and we can give another few examples. We'll leave it at that. But why is the belief that a king Mashiach will get up and do what the Rambam describes he will do? Why is that fundamental to the entire title? Let's, um, let's hear some feedback. What do you guys think? Can you repeat the question, please? Yes, Yafa. I can accept that from the 613 commandments and everything else in Yiddishkeit, some parts of them are fundamental, fundamental to everything else. And if you're lacking in that, you're lacking in it all. Right? You got that? Yeah, for like, if, if I don't believe that God gave me that 613 mitzvahs, if I, I don't believe in that, even if I'm keeping them today, because it makes sense, or because it's my culture, they are weakened, and ultimately they will not be kept. So I get that. So believing in the divinity of the Torah, you saw it. Why, why is the belief in the Hamelech, Hamoshiach, Asid, Lamoit, how is that a principle of all of Yiddishkeit? For which the Rambam writes that whoever doesn't believe in the coming of Mashiach is not only denying all of the prophets, but they are denying the whole Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? 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 How is this connected to everything? Was the whole purpose of the Torah to get to this place where it will be when Mashiach comes? Maybe that's why? Okay, you're on the right track. The Rebbe... The Rebbe the I'm sorry. No, yeah. I said the Torah was meant for us to transform. And if we don't believe in that transformation, then what's the purpose of doing it? Okay, first of all, we're not speaking about transformation yet. Transformation is Geula. Now we're speaking about Mashiach. And let's separate them. But what you said is correct for both. Including the resurrection, which we'll, we'll get to all of that. But let's go, let's focus on purpose. On purpose. Many people, right? Like, let's go back to my one example. That I need to believe that the Torah came from God for the whole Torah to have continuity by me and by my children and by my grandchildren. It's based on the divine source, on the origin. And indeed, many people associate um, a pillar, like what's the pillar of a building? The past, the past. It's like the base upon which everything stands. That is partially true. But it's not fully true. It's partially true because common history, building on the same past, the past is a pillar for the future. Emes. 
there is an equal important pillar for the future. And that is purpose. Purpose. When you make a shidduch, I'll give an example, and you're trying to bring together two people, it's definitely beneficial if both of these people have a common history. They have a common past. They have more in common. That's very helpful. It helps them build together on the same common past. You can argue, perhaps by a shidduch, even more important of having a common past is sharing a common purpose. Now, everyone has a future, but but it's important for me to have the same envisioned future as you have. Because the vision of our future will actually lead us in that direction. So there is, the world began with God. Very good. That's a Yesoid. There is a God. There is a God that's a creator. And with all of the important details of Chabad Hasidus, there is, God is continuously creating. So there is a past, there is a present. And then you have the concept of what is the purpose of creation? What is the purpose of creation? On appreciating that the Torah comes from God is a Yesoid for my observance of all of it. And appreciating the purpose is equally as important for my observance of all of it. And here's something very important. If someone were to ask you, what is the purpose of it all? Right, the biggest question, what's the purpose of this all? I would say that if you personally did not struggle with this question, you will never appreciate the answer that the Torah gives. Not only will you not appreciate it, you will reject it. And that's the way that God made all of us. There are certain simple truths that as true as they are, they are not appreciated and therefore they're not taken in because the person themselves didn't struggle with the question. You know, when you hear the answer before the question, it doesn't work for you. A big challenge that all people that are lucky have the muzzle of being FFBs from, from birth is that we all heard the answers before we had the questions. And that's a big disadvantage. We should be aware of that. It's a disadvantage because since the answers meant nothing, because I didn't, I didn't have the question, so I heard those words and it already meant nothing, then my challenge will be, now that I will struggle with the questions, even if you will tell me the answers, in my mind, it's already not going to work for me without avoida, because I already knew that, but it didn't work for me. Truth is, is the answer will work for me. I just negated the kayach of the answer because I never struggled with the question. And it's important for every yid to struggle. What, the, what is the purpose of all of this? What is the purpose of this all? Beginning with, why did God create a world? Why am I here? That's the big question. And the big answer, and even though we none of us properly struggled with the question, so these are the words that we will have to we will have to work a lot upon to take it in properly. The purpose of it all, the purpose of this all, of the whole universe, not only the physical world, of all of the worlds, all of the trillions physical places, all of that was created for a Jew to keep a mitzvah. All of it was created for the Jews to keep all the mitzvahs. These two statements are not exactly the same because it's impossible for one Jew to keep all of the mitzvahs, beginning with, for example, some mitzvahs are gender-related. 
Some mitzvahs are for men, some mitzvahs are for women. Some mitzvahs are tribal related, some mitzvahs are for Yisraelim, some for Leviim, some for Kahanim, etc., etc. So there is a, I am obligated to keep all of the mitzvahs that I could keep, and then there is a collective national purpose for the creation of the worlds that are linked. It's all created for the Jewish people to keep all the mitzvahs. That is the purpose. Now, Rabbi? yes. Hey, it's Charlie. Could you argue that the purpose is not just for the Jew to keep the mitzvahs, but for the Jews to choose to do the mitzvahs? Very well said. Very, very well said. Okay, that's a very important detail. That, that, that the goal, the real goal is not only observance, which is the main thing, but it, 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 it's the way we observe. And, you know, we're learning a lot. Tanya, Tanya emphasizes um, the way meaning do it with passion, do it with love of God. And here, surely you're speaking about another very important pillar that why am I doing it? And it has to come from choice. It has to come from, I could have chosen otherwise and I'm choosing to do it. And there are other important details in the observance. But coming back, the purpose of the creation is in order for me to keep the mitzvahs. It's in order for us, the Jewish people, to observe all the mitzvahs. This is why God created the world. And as the Medrash writes, that before creation, God saw something that was so attractive to God that He says, "Ah, I'm going to create everything to get to that. You know what God saw? God saw a Jew keeping a mitzvah. And that vision of a Yid keeping a mitzvah was so powerful that that God got such pleasure from that image. And therefore God was filled with such a desire of having that de facto, that desire motivated God to create the whole world. It's a, it's a big wow. And if someone is not dancing of joy when they hear that, that's because the person did not struggle with the question. Some of it has to do with, you know, what place in life am I in? Some people are in survival mode. They can't even be bothered with, with struggling with what's the purpose. Forget about what's the purpose. Let me go get some, get a piece of bread on the table. Or God forbid people are struggling with illnesses or other negative things. They're so involved in, again, surviving that they don't have time yet to live. But ultimately, the question is huge, and it's important for people to grapple with this question. And it would take a person years to come to a healthier, deeper place. And this is the real answer. And a human mind can never get there. This answer was revealed to us by God Himself in the Torah. A human being can never, can never guess what is God's purpose. It's nonsensical. But part of the title was God was God's revealing His purpose of creation. Now, putting the observance of the mitzvahs on that pedestal, and it is on that pedestal, it's the pinnacle of creation. It's the end of all. It's the purpose of it all. All of it is worth it to God in order for a Jew to keep a mitzvah. If a person... So now I, I want to mention also, I think my daughter Basi mentioned something about, about redemption. I'm not even speaking about redemption. I'm not even speaking about what the observance of the mitzvahs will do to the world. We'll leave, to, we'll leave that in a moment. That's the next chapter. Just the, the Jew keeping the mitzvahs. If this is the purpose of it all, I want everyone to appreciate that we never, never, even in the times of Moses, even in the times of King Solomon, we were never 
human history never had a time where all the Jews kept all the mitzvahs. It never happened yet. Even when we were living in Israel, and even when we were under the reign of Shleim HaMelech, for halachic reasons, and then, then, and then practical, just a fact, there was never a time that all of the Jews were keeping all the mitzvahs. So if a person doesn't believe that, that God's desire will come to fruition, just like going back to the beginning, that we can easier appreciate that if a person negates that God is the creator, if a person negates that God gave the Torah, then my observance is weakened. If this doesn't come from God, then ultimately, then why do I need to keep it? If a person doesn't believe that the purpose for creation will come about, really they're denying God. It's like, is it possible for there to be a God to want something and never get what, what God wants? Is that possible? Truth be told, God made it for himself a mission impossible because God wants this to, to be brought about by our freedom of choice. And by default, that's the whole challenge. If we are free to choose, then theoretically we can all choose not to. Correct. Emes. But at the, on the other side of the coin, it's impossible if we believe in God, which we do, if we believe in the real God, if God is indeed almighty and God embarks on an endeavor, if that endeavor can never come to its purpose, then either we're going to call this a negation of God or a negation of the power of God. It goes back to the fundamental other ikrim. Purpose, is, which is the future, what's the goal? A goal is just as important as the origin. So the origin, easier to hop why the origin is so fundamental. Likewise, and maybe even more so, is purpose. Now, the effect that the mitzvahs have in the world is secondary. That's important. The fact that the mitzvahs make the world godly, secondary. The fact that the mitzvahs make me closer to God, secondary. I'm not speaking about the effect. The mitzvah itself is the goal. The ultimate end of all, in God's perspective, God desires... God has nachas when a Jew does a mitzvah. Truth be told, God has nachas by a Jew doing a mitzvah in all different types of settings, which is why history unfolded itself in a way that we found ourselves collectively, we the Jewish people, in all different types of settings. In a setting where a mitzvah was easy, where a mitzvah was hard, where a mitzvah was impossible, where you died to keep a mitzvah, where you got honored to keep a mitzvah. No, it's God created in this world all of history is all about different settings in which in this setting the mitzvah was kept, in that setting a mitzvah was kept. It's amazing. Even in, in my personal life, every single different uh, state of being that I am in, one day you're in a, I'm in a good mood, one day I'm not in a good mood. All of that is just creating a new world in order for there to be a new world in which I keep a mitzvah. So I keep a mitzvah when I'm happy, I keep a mitzvah when I don't feel my happiness, I keep a mitzvah... When there's money, I keep mitzvah. When there's a challenge, there's nothing guilt. Uh, I keep mitzvah when things are easy. A mitzvah when things are v'chuli, v'chuli. Privately and communally and nationally. But there also has to be the possibility in, in actuality that all of us are keeping all the mitzvahs. 
Right now, I cannot keep the majority of the positive commitments. I can keep all the negative commandments. I cannot, the vast majority of the 248 positives, I cannot keep. Because there's no temple. The Rambam speaks about sacrifices. I can't bring a sacrifice. I cannot, even if I want to. By the way, Goyim are allowed to bring sacrifices, even nowadays, according to most opinions. We're not allowed to help them, because we're not allowed to do it ourselves. But I cannot keep uh, Karbanis. I cannot keep Yoivel. Yoivel can only be kept when all of the Jews live in Israel. So there has to be a time that all of the Jews live in Israel, and then de facto we keep Yoivel. Because if that will never happen, then I'm denying that God's purpose will come to fruition. And that is just like denying there's no God. Or just like denying that the mitzvahs don't come from God. So therefore, yes, believing that Melech HaMashiach Asid Lamoid is a principle in faith. And if I deny that, I'm not only denying the fact that the prophets are filled with the fact that in the future, which is going to be us, Mashiach is going to come about. More than that, I'm denying the Torah because the Torah alludes to Mashiach and I'm denying in the authenticity of Moshe Rabbeinu and we'll speak next week and next year about this detail. Why is the Torah separated from, from the Nevi'im and why are we separating Moshe from, from the Torah? Why would it not have sufficed just to say that we're denying in the Torah? Right? We're denying in the prophets. Or we're denying in Moses. No, that Amam goes through all of these three. We'll get to that in a, in a later class. Now, now I want to take it to the next level. First of all, so far so good? Any comments? I'm sorry, I have another question. Yes. Could you then say that since Hashem separated himself in the beginning um, so that we could have reached, uh, then the final goal would be to be united as one again? Well, uh, what you're saying is correct. That when all of the Jewish people will keep all of the mitzvahs, that will bring a redemption in the world that we'll speak about in the next chapter. And part of that redemption will be, in the words of the Medrash, it's going to be a marriage between the Jewish people and God. And we were never married yet. We only got engaged. We got engaged on Sinai. When God gave us the goal. He gave us the potential, but it never happened in fully. It was never realized. It was never consummated. Very good. Okay, so now step number two. Step number two is, okay, so I have to believe that Mashiach is going to come. Denying that is denying that God's purpose will ever happen. Good. I believe. I believe that one time Mashiach is going to come. I believe that Mashiach is going to come. Why? Does the Rambam add something that makes it even harder by writing that not only if you don't believe in him are you a denier in the prophets and in Moshe and in the Torah, but the Rambam writes, if you don't long, if you don't anticipate, if you don't desire his coming, then you are also denying in it all. Whoa, why, why? Why is that so? You know, I believe in Gan Eden. I believe that after we, after we pass away, we go to Gan Eden. I'm not longing to go to Gan Eden. I really hope to be here for a long time. You know, believing in something and longing or desiring it are not synonymous. Now, yeah, very nice if you are in the Madrega that you are longing, you are desiring the imminent coming. Very nice. Good for you. But if you don't, 
the Ramam is writing very strong words. If you don't, it's not that you're missing a detail. You're invited a denier. You're denying it in all. You're denying the whole Yiddishkeit. How do you explain that? That's a toughie. Maybe you need to long for Mashiach. That's one of the ways to bring Mashiach. So if you don't have that, then he can't come? Based on what we explained, Yafa, the reason why Mashiach is a principle in faith has nothing to do with this coming now or coming, God forbid, in, in tomorrow. Nothing to do with that. You know, it's my, if I don't believe in Mashiach, I'm basically saying that I don't know whether God's purpose will come to fruition. But I believe God's purpose will come to fruition. Especially for God. God is infinite. God lives forever. Does it make a difference for God today, God forbid, or tomorrow? You know, this concept of a purpose coming to fruition, there's no pressure on that. In my belief system. But what you're saying is correct, that Ebba said this many times, that our longing brings it closer. I get that. But the Ramam is not speaking about our mission of bringing it closer. He's speaking about the belief. What is Mashiach? That we believe that there's going to be a person, it's going to be a man, he's going to, it's going to be, it's going to, he's going to be anointed as a king. Vahuli, as we just repeated already last week and this week. These details. He's going to be a king. He's going to bring back the sovereignty, the, the kingship of David. That means that the ruler of Israel won't be a prime minister. There won't be a Knesset. There's going to be a Melech. He's going to be a king. And he's going to be a descendant of... He doesn't say it here. He's going to build a temple. He's going to gather the Jews. And all of the mitzvahs are going to be kept. We're going to bring Karbanes. And we're going to have a Shemitah and Yoyim. That's what the Namam says. Why do I have to anticipate his... We're learning from the Rambam. The Rambam wrote his magnum opus. His most known work is yeah. called the Yad HaChazaka. And, and we explained last week in the intro why we're learning it. Because this is like learning the Shulchan Aruch about Mashiach. Yeah. And the importance of learning the Shulchan Aruch is because there are so many different uh, images of Mashiach that we find in Medrash or in the Gemara. And, 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 and like in any other area in Yiddishkeit, when there is a diversity of opinions, you have to look in the Halacha. The Rambam completely demystified Mashiach here. Mashiach is not a malach. Mashiach is not a magical person. According to this, Mashiach is a human being. And he's going to be a king. Most people can't wrap, they don't even wrap their heads around that image. First of all, we don't live in a monarchy. But we understand what that means. He's going to be the king of Israel. You have Lahavdil, you have the king of Thailand, there's going to be the king of the Jews. And he's going to bring back the system of governance as King David had. Kingship. Ma- a monarch, yes. My question is, that we explained, this is the Rebbe's Torah, why is it that not believing that such a king will one day get up is a denial in everything. We explained that. To bring it back to the... Oh. Let me just finish the question. The question is, but, wh- but why is anticipating his coming so fundamental to the whole Yiddishkeit? So what's the answer? It's like, it's like the marriage that you were talking about. It's like, being, it's like that you're, it's good enough for you just to be engaged, but not to be married. Like you set the commitment to being engaged, right? Like how you were talking about... Before, when Hashem created the world, it's like we were engaged, but we didn't, like, the marriage was not done. 
So maybe that's why it's so important to long for it because it's it, with not longing for it is like saying that it's good enough just to be great, engaged and not actually do the whole the commitment and the purpose and the whole goal. Okay, I mean, good. There, there are many different angles to, to, to approaching this. But let me, let me share with you from the many insights that the Rebbe gives regarding this, that will, again, this will help us understand many halachas we'll learn later about Mashiach and Geula. But let's take a step back. Let's take a step back. Belief, a mitzvah of belief is not unique to Mashiach. Right? There is a mitzvah to believe in God. I'll give you an example. A mitzvah to believe, right? There's a mitzvah to believe that God gave the Torah. There are certain mitzvahs that, you know, there's a mitzvah of action. You have mitzvahs of speech. There's a mitzvah of saying the words of Torah. A mitzvah of davening. And then you have mitzvahs of belief. Now let me ask you a question. When a person believes, is there a way to bring that belief down? What do you think? Okay. When when there's a mitzvah, when there's a mitzvah, how do you measure someone's belief? How do I measure my own belief? Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna Rami. If I believe in something, one of the ways of measuring whether I indeed believe in it or whether I'm just thinking the words that I believe is by seeing whether that belief translated itself in action. Not, not, not that every action is a proof that I believe. A Jew can keep kosher and they don't believe. It, many actions don't need to be rooted in belief. But let me go in the other direction. If I believe that God told me to keep kosher, and then I'm going to stop and say, hold, hold on, how do I know I really believe in it? How do I know myself? Just because I'm thinking, is thinking those words meaningful? So one way of gauging belief is by seeing if what I believe in, by me, is coming all the way down in the way I behave, if my belief affects my behavior, that's like a raya, that's like a proof, that's an indication that I really believe in it. Because if I would not have really believed in it, then, it, then I would not have been motivated enough to change my behavior. It's not a foolproof proof. I know that. Again, people can change their behaviors not because of beliefs. But when a belief comes down into action, it authenticates that belief. It engraves that emuna within the person. Everyone accept that statement? Is that, does that good make sense to you? I think it makes sense. So like this, when it comes to believing... Yeah, right, very good. Yes, 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 yes. Very good. That there are mitzvahs of action. Mitzvahs of action are easy to measure. If the mitzvah is for me to do something, so then I did it, and 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 I I have almost like a objective proof that I did it. Right? You have a mitzvah to light candles. When you lit the candles, did you do the mitzvah? Yeah. How do I know? All right, the candles are lit. You have mitzvahs of saying words. If you said it, you said it. If you didn't, you didn't. The moment we go deeper, the moment we're stopping to focus on behavior, but we're going to the insides of the ruchni is a person, so there's a mitzvah to believe in. I wanna, I'm asking myself, how do I know if I talk about, how do I know whether I'm fulfilling that mitzvah? 
So a person says, what do I mean? I, I believe in God. How do I know that I believe in God? Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just thinking the words, I believe in God. Maybe I'm just repeating like a parakeet the words, I believe in God. How do I know I believe in God? How do I know that I believe in God? Challenge yourself. One of the ways of, of measuring belief and authenticating it, confirming it, is that if I witness within me that my belief system was brought down ultimately and it translated itself in, a, in an action, so I was not kosher eating and I believe in God and then I believe that God gave the Torah and then I come to the point, well, if, since I believe that God gave the Torah and God tells me in the Torah, I as a Jew need to eat kosher, I'm going to eat kosher. The moment I changed my behavior and now I'm eating kosher, that is a beautiful way of authenticating that emuna. It's no longer only belief, or to word it differently, that belief is a deeper belief. It's a deeper belief because I brought it down. It affected my action. It affected my behavior. When it comes to believing that Mashiach one day will get up, believe in Mashiach. I believe in Mashiach. How do, I, how do I authenticate that belief? How do I bring that emuna down? The belief that HaMelech HaMashiach Asid Lamoid doesn't translate in a behavior. It doesn't translate in an action. You get my challenge? So if, I'm, if I want to challenge me, I understand that it's fundamentally important to accept that God made the world for a purpose. And I have a muna that what, when God shared his purpose, I believe in that. I'm not going to make up whatever sounds nicer to me as what's God's purpose. God's purpose is he created everything in order for the Jews to keep the mitzvahs. Which means all the Jews, all the mitzvahs. Okay, I believe in that. How do I know? Because I just said those words, so what? How do I know on myself? How do I gauge the depth of my faith. How do I make my faith more real to me? Normally, the answer will be by bringing it down into behavior. I cannot bring it down into behavior because this has nothing to do with my behavior. Zero. My belief that Mashiach is going to come up and do what the Rambam says Mashiach will do has nothing to do with my behavior. The one area, which is also a Ruchni Yisdeki area, in which I can gauge my own emuna, whether I take a believe that Hamelach Hamashiach Asad Lamoid is to, to, to ask myself, am I anticipating his coming? Because if I really would believe that God is real and God made the world for a divine purpose, and us, we, the Jews, keeping the mitzvahs, this is his purpose. How can one not eagerly await for that? The lack of excitement, the lack of awaiting, the lack of longing is an indication that that emuna is still very removed from me. And this mitzvah of emuna is not the vague, distant belief. I believe. I believe that God gave me the Torah. So what? No. I believe that God gave me the Torah and that's why I'm going to keep it. That's the level of belief that God wants of me. I believe that God made the world. That's why I am subservient to God. I believe 
that Mashiach is going to come and therefore what? Therefore I await it, I long for it. Because how can you not? Right, that's what you surely that's what you were saying really before. That if, if I really believe that, that the, the God giving the Torah was an engagement, yeah, if, if, how can you not await for your own wedding if you really believe that you're getting married? Of course you'll await for it. The lack of longing is because it's not real enough. Now, I know there are many levels of faith, true. And you can't accuse a Jew if they don't really long for, if they don't really desire the imminent coming. You can't accuse them of not having any belief. But part of the mitzvah isn't only to have that superficial emunah, but part of the mitzvah is to make the emunah real within you. And the location of gauging whether it's real or not, it's is asking myself, am I really looking forward towards this? Am I awaiting it? It's like awaiting the purpose of the whole creation. Imagine you, imagine me, that we invested your koyach, your time, for a purpose. And you put a lot, and for a long time you, you invested and you sacrificed and you had disappointments. You know what's going to keep you going? When your goal is in front of you. And you will always be anticipating your goal. Once the goal becomes vague, you lost your direction. You lost your motivation. And it has to be a motivating factor, the coming of Mashiach. And how do I gauge that? I gauge that by asking me, am I really anticipating his coming? The greater the emuna, by default, the greater the anticipation. The weaker the emuna, the weaker the anticipation. And the mitzvah here is that we should be aligned, we should be at least aware of God's purpose. Now, it, it's, a, it's a big avoid of that, because most people can be very observant. It doesn't mean that they share God's purpose. Their purpose of life is to, to, to get married and to have a family. Their purpose of life is to have a good time. Their purpose of life is to do nice things. It takes a long time for us to align our goal with God's goal. But that's important. And ultimately, my goal needs to be, I am alive in order to bring God's purpose to fruition. Beginning with me. Which will automatically mean is, I'll become observant. Because imagine, every time I do a mitzvah, I'm giving God nachas. And that's the whole reason for everything, for God. How can I not do a mitzvah? It's going to be the greatest motivation for a mitzvah. Knowing that it gives God pleasure, and God desires my mitzvah so much that it was worthwhile for God to create the Gansa universe for me to do this mitzvah right now. It's the biggest motivator. But it's not just about me doing a mitzvah. That's not enough. For that you don't need Mashiach. Because for the past thousands of years, many Jews were doing many great mitzvahs. No, there's a big goal. The big goal is that all of us should keep all the mitzvahs. For that you need Mashiach. For that you need Mashiach. For that God needs Mashiach. And for that we need Mashiach. So that's, that's the yesoid of the beginning of what we'll continue learning of the vitality, the importance, the centrality of believing in God's purpose of creation and making that amuna real, again, not by taking action, there's nothing I can do, by, by, by awaiting. My eagerness for indicates marks is a thermometer which, is a, which shows me how much do I really believe in it. Are we good? Yeah, I have one question, Rabbi. Okay. Um, you mentioned 